Подача Остин! Все-таки Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markstone, and no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, I'd like to thank you for making the show a part of your day. And whether this is your first time listening or you've been a longtime subscriber, thank you for downloading the show and giving it a chance. Um, this week, we're going to talk with Lee Callender, the assistant manager and goalkeeping coach for the Southampton Women's Football Club. You can find him on Twitter at State of Play Lee, or you can follow the Southampton Women's Football Club at SOTON Women's FC. And the links to all of those things are in the show notes, along with the Southampton Women's Club website and Facebook page. So we're going to talk with Lee about their the success of the team last year, about how they're looking to build towards the future. And it gave me a good chance to, to get kind of a an overview or a grasp of women's football in the UK and in the Hampshire area. Uh, it was nice to be able to do that. And the, the way Lee and I started talking, Lee is a season ticket holder. He is a, a Southampton fan and that's kind of how it started. And it just seemed like this was going to be a really good opportunity to, to talk and kind of bring all those things together. And so I'm really looking forward to bringing you that conversation. Um, but before we get there, we'll talk just briefly about the men's club and that the fact that they are back from holiday officially, they've had their first preseason match. Um, not a lot has happened since then. Uh, we haven't made a huge signing. We haven't sold anybody really of note. There's lots of speculation about Virgil van Dyke going away, but it's mostly just garbage, uh, being retweeted online. So, uh, you know, as of this moment, Virgil van Dyke is still here. He's still a Southampton player. And we, you know, personally, I hope that we, we keep him for, for the year. Um, but that's just, that's just my opinion. Um, so if you watched the match, I didn't get to watch the match. I was away with my, my in-laws, my in-laws all went uh, camping all the entire, my wife's entire family and I, uh, went camping and that was great except for it was 105 degrees, which is about 40 degrees Celsius. Um, and we did about the most, uh, you know, for those of you who don't live in, in America, if I said, Hey, my American family went camping, I think we did exactly what you would think we did. Uh, we went to a lake, we sat on a boat, I drank a lot of Coors Light, uh, I pulled people around on, on inner tubes in, in the lake, I kind of watched my kids, like that was that was basically what we did, and it was a, it was a great time, but I'm glad to be back, um, and I'm glad to be able now to kind of focus on, on the team, and hopefully we start, you know, now that the matches are going to start coming, uh, it'll be nice to be able to talk and get back to talking about matches and looking forward to the upcoming season. So we will we'll kind of get to, to all of that coming up, but I'd like to just thank you all for subscribing to the show and whether you do that on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, uh, wherever you do it, thank you for doing that. The The podcast is slowly, slowly growing and it's nice to, to see that. We hit the 5,000 download mark, which is not by any means a huge number, but it's out there and it's uh, it was nice to kind of hit that, that get over that threshold and uh, see the, that it's growing faster and faster as time goes on. Um, and, and kind of more importantly than any of that, just thank you guys for reaching out and giving support for the podcast. Uh, some reviews have been written on iTunes, which is always nice. Um, some fans have sent me messages on Twitter or uh, via email, especially regarding the last episode with Kiko Rodriguez and mental health and mental illness and sport. Um, thank you for recognizing that what that episode was about and the fact that it wasn't necessarily what was going on with saints on the field, but that it was something that is important and should be addressed. And I appreciate everybody kind of, uh, 
sending your support for that because that was you know ne- not necessarily an easy thing to uh, to do and maybe uncomfortable for some of you and and I, I just thank you for reaching out so look forward to to doing more on that or issues like that in the future as I think that is something that is important uh, and you can feel free to let me know what you think about that uh, however you want would like to get in contact whether that's on Twitter. Uh, at sfcdell underscore ivery or at facebook.com forward slash sfcdelivery. We also have an email, uh, which you can find in the show notes. But let's uh, let's go ahead and get to the interview with uh, Lee Callender, who is the assistant manager and goalkeeping coach for the South End Women's Football Club. It was a real pleasure to talk to him, and I'd like to thank personally the uh, South End Women's Football Club for giving me access to, to Lee and allowing me to uh, take some of his time to, to talk. So uh, we'll get to that right now. So here's my interview with Lee Callender on the South End Women's Football Club and also a little bit about the men's team. And I'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all the SFC fans, Lee Callender. You can find him on Twitter at State of Play Lee, and he is the assistant manager and goalkeeping coach for the Southampton Women's Football Club. You can find them online on Twitter at Southampton Women's FC, and also links to their website and everything else are in the show notes. So Lee, welcome to the show, and thank you for, for joining me. Uh, thank you for having me on. Pleasure to be on. Yeah, it's it's going to be nice to talk about the women's team, something that I think some of us follow on on Twitter, but maybe don't have or aren't as familiar with. Um, so I have some questions for you about about them. We'll talk about them. We'll talk about you as a fan of, of Southampton, and even maybe what your coaching license does for you in terms of kind of changing the way you you maybe view some things. And we also have some questions from listeners. So uh, before we start any any of the stuff about the team or anything, though, let's just get to know you a little bit. So um, where are you from? Are you from the Southampton area, or did you did you move there? Or where where are you from originally? Uh, so originally, I'm from a place called Salisbury, which uh, is actually where near where Stonehenge is. Uh, so there you see pictures of Stonehenge. I live about six miles away from Stonehenge. Um, my dad was a or is a Southampton season ticket holder, and uh, he basically and my mum got me into supporting Saints from a young age. Uh, my mum used to put me in front of the TV when I was young and tell me to uh, watch out for Southampton score and see what mood my dad would be in when he got home. So that's kind of how it all started with me. So I'm Salisbury born and bred and uh, that's kind of my background really. How far away is Salisbury from Southampton? Probably about uh, a 30, minute, 30 to 40 minute drive. So it's not too far. So oh, not bad uh, myself, my dad and my, yeah, not bad at all. Myself, my dad and my youngest sister, we, we make the journey down from Salisbury to Southampton for every home game and uh, occasionally get to a, a few away games as well. Nice. Nice. So how old were you when you started attending matches with your, with your father or with your father and your sister or your mom? Or? Uh, my dad must've taken me to my first game when I was probably about, I reckon between the ages of about eight and 10, I kind of vaguely remember, uh, remember it. It was a, uh, three all draw against Sheffield United in the old division one. So that was, uh, I think it was around about kind of 1993. My dad took me down and, uh, I've got a very, very vivid memory. And, uh, yeah, since then I've been going as much as I can. Got my first season ticket here when I was about 13, 14 years old and been a season ticket holder ever since. Where does your dad and where, where do you sit in St. Mary's? What stand are you guys stationed in, I guess? Yeah, so, so we sit in the itching stand and we're, we're sat in block four of the itching stand, which is uh, quite near to the away fans, which is uh, always good fun sat near the away fans. Absolutely. So always a, a little bit little bit of banter, great atmosphere, and uh, we've got a good group of people that sit around us as well. So it's a, a really good place to sit, really enjoy it there. And have you been in the same seat for several years now? Uh, yeah, I've been in the same, well, the same row, okay. uh, should I say, since St. Mary's was built. Uh, I've moved 
seats a little bit because uh, when we first got season tickets, we couldn't sit together. So now we've kind of shuffled around seats. So now we're sat together as a as the three of us. So it's uh, taken a few seasons, but yeah, we're now finally sat next to each other at St Mary's. Nice. And at what point did you stop just becoming a fan and start down the the path of coaching? Was there a playing career before that, or would you just really like the game and decided you wanted to coach, or how did that all come about? Uh, I played football uh, in around kind of low leagues and uh, spent ten years or so playing for for a team called Chalk Rally, which is uh, quite near the Salisbury area, and uh, we did pretty well for ourselves. We had uh, had quite a good run, and uh, I basically took over a, a Sunday team, which was. Uh, made up of a lot of people that I used to work with. We used to get together on a Tuesday night, play some football, and they set up the former Sunday team. So after a couple of years of uh, other people managing it, I took over it, and we weren't the best Sunday team, to say the least. So I kind of looked at it and thought, right, how can I make this team team better? How can I make us a better team? So that's where my, my coaching badges were born, and uh, that was it. It was kind of the drive to, to make the team that I played for for better and uh, not get beaten every week. So that was kind of the catalyst behind that, really. Did, now, did you find it difficult to coach people that were your coworkers or that were your friends? Because I have friends who, if I try to tell them what to do, they just basically tell me, you know, yeah, right, buddy. But, you know, did you did you have any of that yeah. or everybody pretty pretty receptive? Uh, I, th- I think to start with, it, t- it took a little while for them to get to, to listen to my ideas and uh, get the bits and pieces I wanted across. But once I started kind of structuring the training sessions and saying, hey, this is what we're going to work on. This is the stuff we're going to do. And they saw the improvements on the pitch as well. Then they kind of took more of what I said on board. And obviously, the more qualifications I gained, the, the more they actually uh, paid attention to what I said. And uh, we ended up the last season of uh, the division that we were in. When I was running the team, we finished up as league runners up. And I think probably about five years before that, we finished bottom of the league on three points and conceded hundreds of goals it was it it was quite a turnaround in a few years but we we weren't a very good team to start off with and so now when you first get into coaching what level or or whatever do you start at when you start earning your badges uh so what you can do is is a lot of coaches uh start at the level one coaches and uh the level one badge so basically they're they're the kind of uh coaches that are coaching your kind of under six under seven under eight guys or girls so they're they're basically start there so it's your basic ball control stuff etc just how to run sessions make them fun for kids uh then you move on to your level two badge which is uh slightly more technical um which then goes into the technique of things uh looking at how players strike the ball where players movement should be etc and then after that you move on to your your way for b licenses which is where i'm currently at the moment which is a lot more in depth uh so you not only look at uh what individual players are doing you so if your example, your right midfielder has the ball, you'll be looking to see what your left back is doing. And if your left back has the ball, what's your striker doing? So it basically goes into a lot more detail about where other players' movements are based on where the ball would be and which player has possession of the ball. All right. When you're doing all of your coaching for the Southampton Women's Football Club, is that your job? Is that your job or is that something you're doing in addition to working that you have outside of that? Yeah, so uh, basically everything I do with uh, Southampton Women is voluntary. Uh, all the coaches that we have at Southampton Women are voluntary, so I have my normal nine-to-five job, which uh, some people might not believe this, but I actually work for the main sponsor of Portsmouth Football Club. Oh. So, <laughs> people, so people shutting off the so podcast it. right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. You work for the enemy. What, what's going on? So, yeah, that, that's my that's my nine to five job. So I work for them during the week, and then uh, we have our training sessions on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights during the summer, and Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights during the winter. And then match days is is Sunday, 
and uh, yeah, that's, there was a, a time when I was paid to coach. I spent a little bit of time working with uh, Chelsea Football Club, and I worked in their uh, regional development centres. So I did a lot of goalkeeper coaching there, and that helped when I did uh, youth modules, etc. But uh, no, nine to five job is with job site, and now my main focus of coaching is with Southampton Women's. Oh, all right, all right. I guess that's a pretty good segue into the women's team. Now, the Southampton Women's Football Club. How long has that club or team been around? So they they were originally formed in 1970, so which was a little bit before my time. And so uh, being 34 is a little bit before my time. But uh, yeah, that's when they originally formed. 1970, been quite successful. Uh, did a bit of research, and they're actually uh, eight times Women's FA Cup winners as well. So most of that became between 71 and 82. Uh, only Arsenal have actually beaten us when it comes to the amount of times we've, we've won FA Cups. So that's always good. And what, you know, how many different levels do you guys just have a first team or do you have, are there, is there a reserve team or anything like that? Or how many, like, and I guess how many women are, are involved in this and in, in playing in this club? Uh, so at the moment we have a, a first team, a reserve team, and we have an under 16s team. Uh, the under 16s team was, is their first season last year. So they finished as league runners up. Uh, our reserve team, uh, went through the entire season with a hundred percent record. So they had 18 wins out of 18 come the wow. end of the season and they won the league as well. And, uh, the first, obviously we, uh, we won the double last year. So we did the league and cup double. Uh, so it was a very, very successful year for the club. So I think this season between the two squads, we're looking at 18 players per squad. Uh, and then we have the under 16s who are moving, I think this year into the 11 aside format as well. So okay. they're going to have at least a squad of between 16 and 18 as well. So we've got uh, quite a lot of girls and ladies that are actually involved in Southampton Women's Football Club as a whole. And I, I guess along with a follow up on the question I asked you about coaching, are the first team players, are they are they working outside of this as well? They're, they have full time jobs or are students or doing whatever else they do in addition to playing to playing football? Yeah, yeah, we, we have uh, we have a range of jobs that the girls do. We've got uh firefighters we've got personal trainers uh we've got electricians uh we've got teachers so there's a there's a vast array of jobs that, that the girls do uh kind of as their nine to five as well so uh, unfortunately we're not quite yet at the level where the girls will be getting paid but hopefully that's not too far away you guys are working towards that yeah the, the goal of the club is basically to gain promotion this year again, uh, go for another league winner's medal with the first team and also the reserves as well. We're looking to win that league as well. And the under-16s, again, we want to go up and we want to win that league there. So we've got this winning mentality installed. And I think the aim of the club in the future is is to hopefully get to that Super League status. And that, that's where we want to be. And that's what drives us on. Nice. How how many more promotions until you reach that that level? Uh, of, be, of being in uh, the top league. Okay, so so at the moment you have uh, the structure is uh, Women's Super League 1, Women's Super League, Super League 2, uh, the Women's Premier League, and then the Women's Premier League Division 1, which is what we're currently in now. So okay. we're effectively in the fourth tier of women's football, which, okay. uh, talking in men's currency, is the equivalent to, to League 2. So if we were a men's side, we'd, we'd now be professional. Okay, all right. So that, that, that clears yeah. it up for me. So that's good. No, yeah, so that's where we are. So that, that's kind of... Uh, where at the moment, like I say, the, the Super League is our aim, and uh, I'm confident that with the, the group we have, and hopefully the backing we have, uh, there's no reason why we can't achieve that. All right. Uh, so, how looking at the first team players? If you look at the first team of, of a lot of men's clubs, you got players all the way from you know 17 or 18, uh, all the way up through mid 20s, and even a couple into the 30s. You guys have that kind of same age range uh, within your squad. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, we played our first preseason friendly yesterday against uh, AFC Bournemouth. And we had a young goalkeeper, Ella, who's just come up from the under-16s. So she made her debut. So she played the last 30 minutes. So she's probably the youngest player we've got in the squad. Uh, and then from all the way down to the reserves, we've got players uh, that are kind of in their 30s as well. So we've got a huge range of, of ages within the, the first and reserve teams. Nice. And where do you guys play uh, your home matches? If somebody wanted to come down and watch a match, where would they, where, where would they go on a Sunday to, to see you play? Uh, so at the moment, as far as I'm aware, we, we've got an agreement to play AFC Totten. Um, so that's where we played most of our home games last year. So again, as far as I'm aware, the, the first team will be again based at AFC Totten, which is kind of just outside Southampton. Okay. So quite, for those people who know the areas, it's just near kind of, uh, Romsey. So anyone who can get down there on a Sunday, support is always welcome. Now, do you know if there are any, you know, uh, any rivals that you have, direct rivals that are in that same league with you that you know are coming up or uh, maybe fixtures or teams you're looking forward to playing? Uh, one of them, from, from what I've been told from, from most of the girls, is uh, there's Southampton Saints, which are in our league as well. And uh, from, from what some of the girls have said, that's kind of our main rivalry, as you will, apart from Portsmouth, obviously. And uh, they're the team which I don't think we've actually had any success against yet. So we're, we're looking to, to put that right this season and make sure that we, we get that win over Southampton Saints. And uh, yeah, finally find chalk one up on the board today. Nice. Now, how long have you been involved with, with the women's club? Well, last year was my first full season. Uh, so I initially uh, came in uh, Fran Alonso, who was uh, the previous first team manager. Uh, he brought me in as his first team goalkeeping coach. And then round about uh, kind of December last year, the vacancy came up for assistant manager. Had a chat with uh, Simon Parker, our manager, and said, I want to be assistant manager. He said, yeah, I'm happy for you to do that. So then basically took over the, the role as a, of assistant manager. And uh, that's how it all came about. So at the moment, I'm kind of doing both jobs as uh, goalkeeping coach and assistant manager. So it's, uh, my Sundays can be quite hectic. Yeah. And so what, what, what is, what are some of your roles as, as an assistant manager? What are you responsible for, say, on a training day? Uh, so on a training day, basically, uh, I have a chat with uh, Simon, who's first team manager. He, he basically designs and comes up with all the training sessions. We'll, we'll go through the training sessions and, uh, we'll each take little individual aspects of the training session. And basically just, uh, during training, I'll go through, look to, to motivate the girls and offer any kind of in-game coaching, uh, any bits and pieces that I see, which I think the girls can work on that the girls can improve on as well. And we go through the session between the two or three coaches that we have there, because obviously we have kind of 30 plus ladies there on, on a training night sometimes. So it takes three of us to obviously break the session down and basically deliver the quality of coaching that we want to deliver to all the players. So we get across our philosophies, we get across how we want to play, how we want to play on a Sunday, the tactics, the formation, etc. So all of that goes into our Tuesday and Thursday training sessions. All right. And then what about on, on game day? When you show up on game day, what are you, are you guys all watching the same thing? Are you specifically watching the goalkeeper and the defense or how, what, what kind of, what are you doing mid game, I guess? Yeah, so, so mid-game, uh, a lot of it is our uh, Millie, who is our first-team goalkeeper at the moment. So I'll keep an eye on her and what she's doing and uh, offer her any pointers, etc. that I see through the game. Uh, also, I'll be chatting to Simon throughout the game about things that I see, uh, any substitutions we can make, uh, anything we can tweak or change, which will give us the upper hand against the opposition. So even down to little things such as is there left-back, right-footed, you know, any, anything that can give us a little bit of an advantage, yeah. Uh, to make sure we get the three points at the end of the day. So it's uh, the key to it is basically good communication between myself and Simon and uh, 
going forward, I think that's going to be most improved this year. So uh, hopefully there'll be another promotion coming our way. Um, now, I know you guys won the double last year, right? You did the league and the cup. Yeah. But were there any moments or games or instances that kind of stand out <clears throat> kind of above all the, of the rest of the season? Because, I mean, the season is a long season in and of itself. But uh, what, what kind of moments stand out to you still looking back on it? Uh, for me personally, there, there were two instances last season. Uh, one of them was in the league. Uh, towards the end of the season, we went to Chesham, who were one of our nearest rivals. And I think at the time, they were the only team that could possibly catch us for the league title. And uh, we, we beat them 1-0 away. And it was one of those games where for, for the 90 minutes, I kind of turned into half assistant manager, half fan for that day as well. And it was uh, nerve-wracking. It was one of those where you almost kind of head and kick every ball that the girls are going for. And the relief to, to get that win, which effectively sealed the title for us, was, was a great day. And uh, the other main highlight from us last year was uh, we beat Swindon in the FA Cup in the first round proper. And they were, I think, two leagues above us. And uh, we managed to secure a 2 win over them. And that was another fantastic day. It's just the effort and the commitment that the girls put into over those day two games where they really they really stepped up to the plate and they showed you know, what they can do and what we, are, we as a club are about. So those two days definitely stick out from our season. And that's not taking away the 4-2 uh, the Cup final win as well. Yeah, no, no, no absolutely not. Um, now, going into something like the FA Cup, you know, over here in America, we get it built up to us quite a bit about teams from the lower divisions getting a chance to play against some of the bigger teams in some of the bigger stadiums or, or have the bigger teams kind of visit them. Do your girls kind of look at some of those fixtures as a, as a chance to kind of prove themselves uh, against opposition or do they kind of go like, man, we're playing against Arsenal or, or Chelsea or, or Man City. Do they, do do you get any of that uh, when you, when you guys go into something like the FA cup? Uh, I mean, through our FA Cup run that we had last year, we, we played Shanklin, who were a league above us, we, and we beat them. Uh, we played uh, Swindon, who I think were two leagues above us, and we beat them. And I think the girls all looked at it and went, you know, this is a chance where we can we can not only prove to ourselves, we can prove to everyone else that we are a good footballing team. We play football. And given the chance, we, we can upset the teams. And um, we played Cambridge in the second round proper. Uh, unfortunately, on the end of a, of a 4 0 loss, but that came just after the Christmas break. And from a personal point of view, I still maintain that if, if we played Cambridge just before that Christmas break, I think the result would have been a lot different. And I think a lot of the girls think the same as well. And uh, I think we could have matched them a lot better. And uh, next season, our aim is to go that one step further. And hopefully, we can get one of those ties where we get an Arsenal or a Chelsea or a or a Manchester City, and we can you know, really test ourselves against the best of the best, which I think the girls will say exactly the same. That's what they're here to do. That's what we want to do. So that, that's why we turn up every Sunday to play football. All right. Now, so you guys have done the double, and it sounds like you're 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 very motivated about coming into the season looking for another promotion. Um, have you had any issues kind of motivating the girls who have just done the double and kind of, uh, you know, are anybody – overly satisfied or or did everybody come in kind of hungry and, and ready to work towards promotion again? Uh, I think I can safely say from, from the training sessions that we've had this season, uh, the girls, again, they're, they're ready to go just because we've got on the double last year. That means nothing now. It's, it's onwards to next season. You know, can we go up and prove ourselves in the Premier League? Can we get another promotion as well? You know, I think there's a see from Simon downwards. That, that's our aim. We, we want to be getting promoted again. We want to be up 
with the best teams in and around the area. So I don't think motivation-wise there's there's anything slacking from any of the girls. They all know that this season is going to be a test. It's going to be more difficult. You know, if if we're off our game by half a yard, we're going to get punished. But the girls are aware of that and they're all ready to step up and uh, push on this season and uh, see what we can do this year. All right. Now, you guys are in the middle of your preseason. You, like we said earlier, you just played your first preseason uh, friendly. How much time was there between the time you guys lifted the, the trophy last year to the start of this preseason? How like how much time do you have off, and what what do you encourage the the team to do during that time when they are off you know, off duty? I guess. Uh, so there wasn't much time in between uh, when we finished the season, and from a coach's point of view, when we got uh, straight back into it. So we kind of played the League Cup final, we won that, and then from a coach's point of view, we're straight back onto planning for this season. Uh, from the girls' point of view, I think we've probably had roughly about six weeks off. Uh, a lot of them have been training in between. A lot of them have been keeping their fitness up. So when they do come into preseason, we're, we're ready to go again. So there's, uh, as though there, as much as there is a, there is a break and a few of them do go away on holiday, I think they've all got that, that fitness at the back of their mind. And if not preseason, it's a chance to kind of blow it out and get back up to speed again. And for you as a coach, and this will kind of lead us into the men's team as well, when you're looking at at preseason, what's the most important aspect of a preseason for you? What are you trying to accomplish in the in the few short kind of weeks that you have leading up to your first competitive match? Uh, basically, what we want to do is we want to get across to the girls how we're going to play this season. Uh, when we step out of the pitch, are we going to press aggressively? Uh, what formation are we going to play? Are we going to be one of the teams that, that plays out from the back and looks to play football? Uh, you know, how, how are we going to do things? So it's really important to us that from, from day one, when we get back to pre-season, the girls are fully aware of, right, this is a formation we're going to play this year. This is what we're going to play. Let's start working on that. So by the time we hit that first game of the season, we're up, we're running. Everyone knows their responsibilities. Everyone knows what's expected. And we do hit the ground running. So whoever that team is on the first game of the season, we're prepared and we're ready to go. Now, from this is this is coming from me. I live, you know, I, I'm over in California, but the the area that I live in is is largely Hispanic. And a lot of our, our boys play a lot of soccer. They They play football from... You know, the time they're born until high school. And it's, it's probably the hardest team to be a part of at, at our high school. It's we're the best at that. Um, but our girls side, uh, they don't have necessarily as many opportunities to play. Do you find that in Southampton or in England in general, the boys maybe have a, a better opportunity to, to play football from a young age and really get the, the coaching and the, and the development that they need versus the girls? Or is it pretty, is it pretty equal? I guess. I, I think previously, it, it probably did favour the boys, if I'm being completely honest. But I think since, especially the England national team have done so well in the last couple of tournaments, it's definitely upped the interest in girls' football. And uh, us as a club, we're, we're looking to expand from just having an under-16s team to kind of going into maybe younger age groups and looking to basically get more girls into football. And I know obviously the men's club have recently set up their, their regional talent centre as well. So they're going, I think, from, I think it's from under eights all the way up to under 21s that they'll be doing this season. So the opportunity for girls to get into football from what I've seen over the past two or three years is, is definitely increased. And I think as long as the women's game keeps getting the right publicity and the, the opportunities for girls to go and play football, I can only see it growing, to be completely honest. So you, you guys have had your first preseason friendly on Sunday. Um, I, I know the score, you guys won three to four or four three, but, um, 
it's probably not the most important thing in a friendly to to win during the preseason. So what 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 would you guys say was uh you know what what are your biggest takeaways from that match? What what did you guys do really really well, or what do you guys have to work on from that? Uh, I mean, it, like you say, the, for me, the result of preseason isn't the be all and end all. It's always nice to get a win under your belt because it gets you going for the season. Uh, but one of the things myself and Simon look for is we look to to make sure that everything we we put into training sessions is then beginning to come out on the pitch. So when we go to play it from the back, are the girls getting to the right position to play it from the back? Are we playing good football? Uh, is the rotation of the players where we want it to be? We're creating chances. And from from Sunday's game uh, for the first game, everything was was looking positive. You know, there's always a few areas that you come away from going, yep, we can improve on that. We can work on that. But there's the key thing for me is there was more positives than there were negatives. So that only bodes well going into the, the preseason games we've got coming up and training for the rest of the summer. So a lot of positives. And also we had a, had a lot of players from, obviously we haven't split our squad yet into first and reserve teams. We have players that were reserve team players last year. They came in, uh, they stepped up and they performed well. So between myself and Simon, if players keep playing that well, keep performing, then it, it gives us a headache when we come to a Sunday and uh, looking for those first-team players. So that's always good. And will that change throughout the season, the, the players that are on the first team? Might, a player that's on it one or two weeks in a row, might they go down to the reserves for the following weekend? Is that is that how it works, or is it the squad just kind of set for the entire season? Uh, so sometimes we're a little bit restricted with uh, the rules of the league, because uh, I believe this year, I think once uh, a player plays either three or five Premier League games, they're, they're classed as a first-team player which means our reserve team can only field a certain amount of first-team players per game, so it does restrict us a little bit. But uh, as far as myself and Simon are concerned, the shirt is down to the girls to keep. You know, for that first 11 for the first game of the season, you've got to work hard to keep that shirt. And what we want uh, is anyone who, who might be in the reserve team for that first game of the season, we want you knocking on the door. We, we want to be getting reports from the reserve team manager that you're playing really well and you deserve a call up to the first team so we want competition in all places it, it sounds like a cliche but, but that's exactly what we want we want uh, any girls that have been maybe away for the week from the first team to really perform well in the reserve team and then be like right we're back we're ready I want that shirt back off that player who's got my shirt so that's that's how we look at it alright and for anybody who's looking to get like pricing information or location information about tickets for matches uh, where where should we send them Okay, so the best place to find any information is uh, if you go to our website, which is uh, southamptonwfc.co.uk. That's the website address. And we're also on Twitter, and it's at Sutton Women's FC, which is S-O-T-O-N Women's FC. And then we're also on Facebook as Southampton Women's FC. So uh, our media team are, are pretty good, and they're pretty hot on everything when it comes to kind of social media. So there'll always be updates about the games, where they're being played, tickets, uh, anything like that. A lot of it's pay on the gate. So, yeah, if you've got a free afternoon on a Sunday, you're not doing anything, and the weather's nice, get down to Totten and, uh, and back the girls. I'm sure they'd be very appreciative of your support. Absolutely. And we'll put all the links to all those things in the show notes in case anybody uh, wants to get it there. And... Yeah, it sounds like a like you guys got a good thing going. It sounds like you guys are on the way up and and staying hungry and motivated. And yeah, I, w- I wish you guys all the best in that in that regard. Thank you very much. Yeah, hopefully it should be a, be another good season. And uh, hopefully, if anyone who follows us on Twitter, hopefully you'll see a, a lot more wins this season and uh, a lot more celebrations as we go forward and try and get into the Premier League, Premier Division itself, and then onwards and upwards from there. Yeah, I do have to say uh, I, I watched some of the highlights that you guys have on the website. 
And of course I picked the the Portsmouth match just not even because of the team, but because of the, like the field was so foggy, I guess, you know, it was like, you couldn't even see yeah. to the other, the other side of the pitch. And so is that, is that normal or is that just, does that just happen to be a night match that, that just wound up that way or? Uh, I, I think that's one of those night matches that was just a, a freak night match. We, I turned up to the ground. I think it was about between four and four thirty. Glorious sunshine, pitch looks in fantastic condition. And as the girls are warming up, it slowly got foggier and foggier and foggier. And uh, yeah, I mean it's the same for both teams, but it was one of those things. You think, well, maybe did we postpone the game, play it another day? But um, apart from that, that night the girls really, really performed well, and still to this day, I think we came so close for, for 18 minutes holding the three, three, and it was just right. a couple of little things which let us down. So next year we, we will be looking for revenge and we will be looking to, to put one over on, on, on the blue side down the road and uh, making sure that we come away as uh, Hampshire FA Cup winners this year. And uh, then let the same thing happen again. Yeah. Yeah. Now I have to ask is that Portsmouth team, are they the official kind of partner women's partner club of Portsmouth? I, yeah, I, I noticed are. that yeah, the right. patch was similar. And then what about you guys? Are you guys affiliated with, with the men's team or is there another kind of team that you guys are affiliated with at all? Uh, no, no, we're not affiliated with uh, Southampton itself. And uh, none of the none of the teams in the Southampton area are actually uh, affiliated. Um, the closest we got was our previous first team manager, uh, Fran Alonso. He was a coach uh, at Southampton under Potichino, and he was there under Koeman as well. And he's currently with uh, with Koeman at Everton as well. So he's um, he was one. He was kind of the, the link that we had with the club. And uh, we've got Simon, our manager, and uh, Kirsty Whitten as well, who's one of our central midfielders slash central defenders. They both work for uh, the football club uh, in different oh, okay. uh, different aspects. So yeah, there's a, there's a few links, but it's not we're not officially affiliated with the club. No. All right. All right. Um, well, uh, would you kind of like to move on and talk a little bit about, about Southampton? Is that, is that okay? Always, always like to talk about the Saints. <laughs> um, but we should say before we do that, you guys are looking, always looking for sponsors and, and things like that, correct? For the women's team? Yeah, we're, we're completely self-funded. So, uh, all the money that we have come in from the club either comes in from, uh, any sponsors that we get or the girls at the moment pay their own training fees and uh, they pay to play as well. So uh, if there's anyone out there who, who's looking to either sponsor the club or alternatively, alternatively sponsor a player or a coach to kind of help out with the, the 300 odd pound they have to pay per season to, for training, etc., always welcome. And uh, there's some links on the on the website of uh, people to get in touch with should you, should you wish to sponsor one of the girls. All right. All right. Well, hopefully people uh, hear that and, and can get, get involved in, in some way. Yeah. Fingers crossed. That'd be fantastic. Now, going into, you know, obviously the... Southampton, the men's team, is in preseason as well. Uh, they played their first match over the weekend as well. Without getting into the score yet or anything like that, just watching the team, now that you are coaching and you're involved in kind of the the routine of coaching, has it changed the way that you pay attention to what goes on on the pitch when you're at a game? Yeah, it, it does. It's uh, When I started my UFB course, uh, my tutor uh, Andy Foster said to me, he said, this is the last time you'll watch a football game as a fan. And, uh, you start, when I'm sat at St. Mary's, and uh, you start looking at different things. So I start looking at, at how the back four are, how the midfield unit play, uh, 
as a back four midfield play together. Uh, being a goalkeeper coach as well, I, I keep a close eye on Fraser Forster, so kind of look at his footwork and his command of his area, etc. And it's it does completely change the way that, that you watch football. Uh, it's not the same you watch it on TV because you only get a certain aspect and you get to see what the TV wants you to see. But live games, yeah, I completely completely watching a different way and spend a lot of time saying to my dad oh did you see this did you see this and him being a fan hasn't hasn't generally seen what i see on a on a game-to-game basis <laughs> now if i'm if i'm sitting here in obviously in my living room or in my office here in, in california and i'm watching uh say a champions league match we sometimes have the option to watch the regular tv coverage or we have the option to watch the spider cam or the tactical cam if somebody wants to yeah. learn a little bit more about the match or about the game itself, would you encourage them to watch that tactical cam where there's no commentary and you're kind of just seeing the whole pitch? Yeah, yeah, definitely. For for anyone who's kind of started coaching and up and coming in coaching, uh, the best thing you can do, I think, is, is watch the tactical cam. And then that way you can actually see... Uh, Look at the different aspects. I mean, uh, you can you can look at maybe when the ball's going down the left hand side, how the defensive unit how they change their shape to to fit a ball going down the, down the left hand side, and when it's switched across, watch how the midfielders go across to to compensate for that and the different runs that the players make. So yeah, anyone who can watch a tactical cam and uh, watch it without the commentary, so you're so you're not getting a, a Gary Neville or a Jamie Carragher in your ear telling you what you should be looking for. That way, you can make your own mind up about things and hopefully pick out the bits and pieces you want to, especially if you're, you're an aspiring coach as well. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when it comes to, to, to watching a coach make decisions, we'll go, go back to last year with Puel. Were you sitting there at all going like, what are you doing? Or how, how did that, you know, kind of go with you watching the team play kind of, cause we switched formations a couple of times and it didn't really, it looked like we kind of played okay, uh, defensively and, and in the midfield even, and then just attack didn't really get it done. But kind of, you know, were you questioning him maybe more than others or less than others? I think there were a couple of times when, when you looked at maybe some of the changes and how the game was going, you sit there and go, mm, I'm not quite sure why you've done that. Uh, especially I think last season for, for us in general, the lack of cutting edge in the final third was, was really kind of frustrating. I think most fans felt that as well, especially when we went, uh, however many home games towards the end of the season with exploring. Uh, sometimes you can understand why the manager's making a tactical change. Uh, but other times I think that's the, that season I was left a little bit bewildered as to why there were so many like for like changes, for example. So, so maybe you'd have, a uh, Jay Rodriguez come on for a Shane Long and it doesn't really change the whole shape of the game or getting us back into it, getting us the advantage of it. It was sometimes it was too like for like for my liking. So you would, you would go more towards if you're going to make a change, it should be a change that kind of either changes the shape a little bit or, or would bring something different to the game rather than just replacing somebody who maybe has a, a tired legs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. I mean, I, I think of course it, there's always, always a call for, for changing someone who has tired legs is, as we all know, Shane Long, for example, you can you can send him out at the start of 90 minutes and he'll run himself into the ground and he's got nothing left. So mm. that's when you go, yeah, I can understand that that change for for bringing on a, a J Rod, for example. Um, but other times you think, well, if that formation's not working, that system's not working, why are we persisting with it? Surely there's got to be maybe changing it. So uh, maybe from a four-four-two to maybe wide players, let's get more width into the game, so you can get more deliveries into the box and. A team like, say, Stoke, for example, on the last day of the season, you know, could we have changed formation to maybe play wider? So we've got a few more balls into the box. You know, what could have changed to give us that cutting edge to go back from a, a 1-0 loss to maybe a 1-0 draw or a 2-1 win? Mm-hmm. 
Um, with Pellegrino, kind of, what are you looking for for him? What do you expect of him? Um, or what maybe it's what changes are you kind of expecting the the team to make this year? Um, coming off, I think what people are considering a, a disappointment last year. Yeah, I mean, the start of last season, if somebody said to me, the start of last season, you'll finish eighth in the league and you'll get to the League Cup final. And not that I'm bitter about this, possibly be robbed of that final uh, after the decision in the first five minutes, you know, which I think all Saints fans will probably be, still be cursing. Because you, at the start of the season, most fans would have taken that. But I think for me, the biggest disappointment was the fact we achieved 62, 63 points last season, and this year was was 45 points. So, where where's the change in that? But, you know, and I expect and hope that Pellegrino comes in and uh, he goes for more more attacking football. So I think under under Potticino and under Cumin at times we were we were spoiled for attacking football, and I think that will probably be one of the things that uh, that Les Reed has said to to the incoming managers, like, right, we need to be more attacking. We need to have more exciting football because, unfortunately, we didn't deliver that last season. So I think that will be the main change that we'll see this year. And uh, I'm quite excited about seeing the prospect of uh, Sam Gallagher as well back next season. Um, So I'm really hoping it's a breakthrough season for him. I mean, what what for you this year, if we finish, say we finish eighth, that's just yeah. where we finish. And, but we have, you know, 10 more points, 12 more points. We score some more goals. I think people would be okay with that, I think. And now that we don't want to go forward and maybe push for top six, do you think that we have right now, do you think we, we are capable of, of, of doing that, of, of gaining, say, 55, 56 points or so? Uh, I, I don't see any reason why not. Because uh, if you look at the last season we had, we had under Koeman, we didn't start that well. I think there was a, a 3-0 loss at the start of the season, which wasn't very impressive and the most disappointing for me for last season was was the lack of the drop in goals scored and the drop in, in points as well because for me progress isn't necessarily being that position higher although it's always good but you know if we'd one point behind Everton rather than 16 points behind Everton then you can see that the team would have possibly progressed slightly but um, that was the thing last year is it was the disappointment in the drop of points so yeah, this season, if, if Pellegrino can come in and he can deliver, you know, more goals, more attacking football, uh, more points on the board, I think there'll be a lot of very, very happy Southampton fans. And, and what do you see as maybe, you know, what area of the team do you think needs improvement, whether it be personnel or just, you know, just individual players just need to step up and do a little bit better? What area do you think we need to, to, to improve to make that a possibility? Uh I think, as, a, as I said earlier, I think this season is, is a big season for Sam Gallagher. I think he, he did really well on loan at Blackburn last year. And obviously every fan could see last year we were we were struggling in the attacking department. Uh, Gabby Deeney came in, did fantastically for the first games. Unfortunately, picked up that injury, which which cost him, I think, a few goals towards the end of the season. So I don't think he ever really regained his sharpness. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie Austin as well, he picked up his injury as well. Um, I think our, I'd like to see a little bit more depth in, in the defensive line because left back I think we're fine for we've got the looks of Matt Target and Sam McQueen there and I think they're more than adequate replacements for Ryan Bertrand I think we're possibly a little bit light when it comes to right back and obviously the emergence of, of Jack Stevens last year alongside uh, May Yoshida I think they, they definitely give themselves credit I think in, as much as I don't want to talk about the Van Dyke situation if mm-hmm. he does go I think we're we're a bit light uh, even though we've, we've got a new Polish centre-back as well, where I think we're still a little bit light in that area. 
and this will probably be one of the uh, one of the controversial comments of it where where I might get shot by a few people or a few people might switch off from the from the podcast. But I think uh, last season uh, Fraser Forster was was one for me who who didn't quite deliver what he did the season before. So maybe a little bit more depth there, or at least someone that's going to be pushing Fraser to you know to make sure he delivers. Um, Rumours where he was carrying an injury towards the end of last season, but uh, from a goalkeeping coach point of view, I think there's a few things he could have done better. So maybe that's some personnel that I change at the back who might be a, a new goalkeeper or at least someone that will challenge Fraser. Right. Now, do you think that the injury to his knee was in the back of his mind and maybe that's changed his mobility a bit? Or is that making excuses for him, do you think? It, I think it's, it, it'd be wrong to say that that injury didn't have an effect on him because I think it I think injuries like that have, have an effect on every player. Uh, when you suffer a knee injury like he did, I mean, you've seen the likes of uh, Michael Owen, for example, in the past. Do they ever really get back to to how they were? Now, I know it's a completely different situation because Michael Owen was a forward, Fraser's a goalkeeper. But it's, um, you know, when he comes out for, for crosses in the command of his area and the speed off his line, was that something that was the back of his mind, whether his knee was holding it up? Was there other injuries there which were preventing him doing it? Or was it just a loss of confidence? You know, and being safe in the fact that he didn't really have too much competition last year. Right. So I think there are many times that the, the pure could have changed it and brought in Hassan, who was on loan with us last year, but didn't. So, is he too comfortable? It's all kind of questions that that could be asked. So I'm hoping that Fraser steps up, and I really hope he proves me wrong this season. I really do. Yeah, no, and I, I, I don't think you're alone in that. I don't think anybody's switching off there. So don't don't worry. <laughs> no, it's good. That's um, all right then. Don't want to cost you listeners. No, no, yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> It'll be fine. Whatever. <laughs> um, but uh, kind of looking at the at the men's side, we had a question there uh, about him from uh, Hassan Tariq on Facebook, and he's asked, he asked, you know, regarding the men's side, do you think that a top six finish this season is is realistic? Do you think we can push for a top six spot? I I, I think we do. I, I believe we do. We can do. I think uh, we. Need a couple of signings, uh, I think in the defensive area, just to give us that, that little bit of depth because we're going to get injuries, you're going to get suspensions throughout the season. And another thing that's going to be, be key to that is, is how the front players click. Are we going to see Tadic return to the form that he was a couple of seasons ago? Because I don't think, again, I think he was one of the players that underperformed last year. Um, and for me personally, I think, uh, Abufau is another player who, hasn't quite yet delivered what a lot of fans expected. He's He's been a bit lightweight. He hasn't quite delivered. Maybe like an old Cristiano Ronaldo, maybe he's a little bit too fancy in some places and maybe he needs to work on his final ball. But I think if, if certain players like that start to click, then there's no reason why we can't be there or thereabouts. Um, from my point of view, it'll be interesting to see how Everton do this season with the money they've spent and whether whether Mr. Koeman can get... Uh, get a side to actually gel out of all the money he spent. Um, but yeah, there's no reason why I don't think we can be there or thereabouts. For me next season, I'd I'd take a seventh place finish and hopefully that'll guarantee us you're opening football again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I guess going back to to the women's team, we have a couple other questions. If you don't mind answering some some listener questions, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, by all means. So Jay, who's at SFC underscore gem says, How long do you think it will take for women's football to be be or approach the level of, of men's in terms of money and popularity? Uh Hopefully, not too long. I think it needs someone like we saw with with the men's game, someone like Sky to or BT to kind of really take a chance on it and really increase the coverage of it. Uh, and hopefully, someone like that invest more money into the game and hopefully get it 
filtered down to the right areas to the grassroots level so so we can start producing you know great great players from from the young age and get the coaching philosophy right from a young age so so not only the, the women's super league performs well but also the England national team performs well um will it ever reach the same amount of money as, as the men's game probably not for a long time because personally i think the amount of money in a men's game at the moment is is crazy it's yeah. crazy paying 350 400 thousand pound a week for, for for players and you know some people question the the 50 million deal for, for Al walker that's just gone through and right. when you see that money in the women's game Probably not because it's taken a good, what, 20, 25 years of the Premier League to get to that point. So right. judging by the same scale, you're probably looking at the same women's game. But it needs someone like Sky or BT to, to really take a chance and go, right, we're really going to invest in women's football and, and promote it and promote it to the back page instead of being on, you know, three or four pages in the back in the little column right. that we need. And, and in the United States, we have similar issues in that, you know, our women's team is much more successful than our men's team. And there were very public disputes over the the collective bargaining agreement with that they had and the field conditions that they played on when it came to the women's world cup and things like that. And I, I, you know, you kind of wonder if, if, is it just success that's going to make it, make it go because the women are more successful. They, and yet they still don't quite get the recognition they, uh, that maybe they deserve. And so I don't know, it's an interesting question and it's something that we'll watch and hopefully it doesn't just kind of disappear you know, and then next time the Women's World Cup comes up, flare up again, you know, because I think that happens where it becomes an issue for a month or two and then it goes away. And then again, in four years, it'll come up yeah. again. Yeah. I mean, I mean, my my only slight reservation that I've seen is obviously uh, the Women's Super League in England is now reverted to, to a winter format again, which therefore means it's in direct competition with, with the Men's League. Um, so will that have an impact on it? Possibly. Um because if it's coming to say a Super Sunday, how many people are going to watch maybe a, a, an Arsenal versus Manchester United men's game compared to a, an Arsenal Chelsea women's game? Um, for me personally, I think maybe the, the summer, the way the format was in the summer was was a better option. Um, but also the women's Super League's introduced a winter break, so it'd be interesting to see how how that affects kind of tournament performance when it comes to the, to the Euros and the World Cup. And will we then see the men follow suit? So maybe that's something the women can lead the way in. All right. Um, your players, when they're, they're walking around Southampton or wherever they, they live, do people start to recognize them and, and, you know, bug them when they're out or do they like that or do they keep to themselves and manage to, to avoid that or? Um, I'm, I'm honestly not a hundred percent sure. Uh, I mean, I think obviously with, uh, with definitely the, the Super League, uh, players as well, I think they're, they're starting to get recognized more. Uh, you've got the likes of, uh, Frank Kirby, especially. She was, uh, kind of touted as, as like the mini Messi. So she'd probably get recognized more than, than our girls were. But we have, uh, ourselves as Southampton Women's, we have a, a couple of, uh, fans who follow us to Cambridge and follow us to Chesham as well. So, uh, they've got some avid supporters of the club. But, um, yeah, I'm not quite sure how many of the girls actually get recognized. And maybe we're in, uh, the Premier League now. So hopefully that, that increases. And, uh, as long as they get some, uh, some younger girls looking up to them as role models and, and that's always a positive for the club. Absolutely. That will be good for everybody, both for some of the girls who need that, to know that they can push for that and aspire to that. And, and also it'll be good for, for your girls to, to kind of feel like they're doing, you know, they're being recognized, I guess. Um, yeah, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely a positive. And, and, and Blake asks, and he is now at Blake D wild uh, on Twitter. How does, how does the player signing process work for your club? Um, 
do you have obviously you have the the, the under 16s and the reserve team but how do you how does a player get to play for for your club um so what we did at the start of uh last season and this season we we had some trial days to the under 16s so we get we basically throw open an open open trial and just say to a lot of the under 16s come down and have a training session with us uh they'll be watched by simon the first team manager as well and then they'll go from that and then we'll then select a squad of 18, 20 players for the start of the season. For the adult team, uh, basically we train the first and reserve teams together. So there is no, is no split when it comes to training. And again, this season we had, uh, had an open training session for, for adults as well. So basically again, it was a case of register your interest, come down, train with us. One, see if you, you like how we're doing things, like the way the clubs run and also see where you can fit in, in our setup. Um, if there, if there was a player from another club, then there's a, a league seven day approach to go through. Um, but, uh, yeah, mainly it's kind of open trials and, and offering, offering girls and offering ladies a chance to come and play for the club. All right. All right. Um, well, that, that kind of does it for the questions that I have and the, the questions from the listeners. And once we'd like to thank all the listeners for sending in questions and you can always do that on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, you can use the hashtag SFC Dell and that helps us kind of sort them all out. So anytime you want to submit a question, go ahead and do that. But yeah, do you have you have anything else that uh, you'd like to, to talk about? Uh, no, no, I think we've just covered everything from my point of view. But uh, just like to reiterate again, you know, if there's anyone out there who wants to sponsor the girls or even just turn up on a Sunday afternoon and uh, and lend you support to the girls, it's it's always much appreciated. And you know, who knows? You, you come once, you, you might continue following us for the rest of the season. And if you've got any daughters, sisters, anything like that, and they fancy coming and playing for the club, then you know, maybe it might be the start of. Uh, another generation of players. So, so that's what we're looking for. And then help us take the club forward into, into the premier league and the super league. So that's where we want to be. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so do, do you still play at all uh, on the side or anything like that? You... Uh, I, I used to play, uh, not, not so much anymore. Uh, unfortunately, uh, age has caught up with me. So, uh, so I don't play as much as I, as much as I used to, uh, I'm half tempted to, uh, attempt to play again this season, but it, it all depends if, uh, if my body holds up to it. So, uh, and if, there, so if there's any dubs looking at there for, uh, for a slow center back, then, uh, please feel free to contact me. Yeah, <laughs> that makes two of us. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I do have a question. If you, if you had to put together a, a five aside team with three, three players from Southampton and two of your girls, uh, who, who, how would you do that? Oh, so three Southampton players and two from, uh, the girls team. Uh, so is this just current Southampton players I can pick from? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so I think uh, I'd, I'd probably go for for Fraser in goal, and uh, I think uh, my two centre backs would uh, would definitely be uh, Virgil Van Dijk, and I'd pick one of uh, Southampton's own. So I'd pick uh, Kelly Warren as centre back. Uh, I think I'd definitely have a, a couple of midfielders in uh, Ori Romeo and a little bit of flair with Dufan Tadic. And I think my striker would definitely have to be another Saints player. It would have to be Jane Yates. I think that would, uh, that would definitely be my, my father's side team. All right. All right. That sounds good. And I think I've seen both of the girls that you mentioned on the, on highlights, both making tackles and, and scoring goals. So that sounds, that sounds like an exciting team. It's, that is some flair in the midfield, but also... Yeah. yeah, Virgil can really play the ball too, so that and I think that's kind of what you need. So yeah, it sounds good. Indeed, yeah, get, yeah, yeah. Get some playing out from the back. Get, get the guys playing the right way. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Lee. Well, I thank you so much for joining me, and uh, you know, I hopefully we can do this again. 
yes, yes. Well, thank you very much for having me. And uh, if you'd like a mid-season update, then, then then feel free to contact me, and uh, I'll be more than happy to provide that and keep you posted with uh, with how the goals are doing this season. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'll I'll keep in contact on uh, on Twitter, and I'll I'll follow the team uh, as best I can. And so once again, I'd like to thank you. And you can find uh, Lee on Twitter at State of Play Lee, and you can follow the Southampton Women's Football Club at S O T O N Women's F C on Twitter and the links to the Facebook page and the website are all in the show notes. So uh, thank you so much, Lee. And I appreciate your time. I thank you very much indeed. Have we talk to you again soon. Absolutely. And once again, that was Lee calendar. You can find him on Twitter at state of play Lee, and you can follow the Southampton women's football club on Twitter as well at S O T O N women's F C and the links to all of their other pages are in the show notes. So thank you to the club. Thank you to Lee for giving me his time. Thank you to the club for allowing me to speak with Lee about the club. And, uh, I I feel like I, I got a lot out of that, learned a lot about it. So, uh, thank you. And I hope, uh, the listeners out there, hope you all enjoyed it as well. And, I know there are lots of other women's football clubs around the area, but uh, if you don't support one or you haven't looked into one, uh, maybe maybe check out a match uh, on a day when we're not playing on Sunday since you know we're not in the uh, Europa League this year. Um, probably should have structured that so I didn't have to say that. But uh, anyway, we all, we all know it anyway. Um, you can always find us on social media as well. You can find this show at SFCDELL underscore IVERY on Twitter. And at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery, there is no underscore in the Facebook address. And we always appreciate a rating and a review on iTunes, which is just one of the many places you can subscribe to the show. So no matter where you subscribe, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever else, uh, if you could leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, that'd be great. And while you're there, be sure to check out the new podcast from James George and Mark Higgins about the Southampton Football Club. Uh, It's called the Saints Fan Podcast, and their first episode is out now and available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can follow their Twitter account at SaintsFansPod. So be sure to do that. And I'm sure that you know who James and Mark are. Um, So if you've blocked them, maybe unblock them and then give them a chance on here because I think the first episode was good. Um, and, and maybe, maybe you've been listening to this podcast and you're like, ah, it's okay. But I don't really like it that much. Maybe, maybe that their podcast would be a, a better fit, or maybe you just fit into your schedule so that you now have three podcasts to listen to about the Southampton football club instead of zero, like you had, you know, last December. So, uh, that is, that is great, but yeah. So, uh, like we said, uh, you can follow them. The link is in the show notes. Hopefully you enjoy their show. Uh, as much as you enjoy this one. So um, next week we'll be back uh, with another episode and, you know, hopefully we'll have some, some more good news to report. Um, And as always, we'd like to thank the, we are Southampton page on Instagram for providing us our logo and also supporting the show. Matt from the, we are Southampton page um, did our logo has been a guest on the show and has been a supporter of the show from the beginning. And I really do appreciate all of his help. So for match day edits, polls, competitions, and more, be sure to check out. We are Southampton on Instagram. And, um, you know, until next time, remember that together we march on.